listening to the Free Feast Podcast with Pete, Craig and Rick. Welcome back, everyone, to the Footy Feast podcast, the place to tune into if you're hungry for more footy content. Big news this week, fellas. A lot's happened in the AFL world, so we've got plenty of content for you this week. How are we, boys? Yeah, going pretty good this week. Ready to go. Lots of good content here live on Instagram for the first time. Let's go. All right, and I am fired up. So I have asked for this first segment because I got some shit I need to get off my chest. Okay, I'm just going to come straight off the top. I'm going to come in fast and hard. So, this week, Collingwood Football Club won its 11th game in a row. The first shout-out I have to do is for Ed Langdon. And I want to say, get stuffed, Ed Langdon. You deserved what you got in the opening minutes. But I will say that I respect you for playing a pretty solid game, even though you mouthed off. But stuff you for coming out in the media and saying Collingwood were shit and a one-trick pony. Next stuff you is going to Christian Petrarca. You can get stuffed. You went down like a sack of shit when you got punched in the back by Sean Darcy last week. You came out, and again, you were probably best on ground. I'm not going to lie. So respect you for that, but stuff you for being a weak dog. What else? Matt Gorn, he played a very good game, but I thought he wasn't very influential. Um, You want to be an All-Australian Ruckman, you were pretty crap until the last quarter when you got on top. So Max Gorn, stuff you for being crap, especially for my fantasy team some weeks. Um, We did talk about Ash Johnston, four goals, won the game. He's a star. Where did this kid come from? Like Sturt, so South Australian boy, shout out. And I also had in here that we can't let Elliot or Dugowie go, but we signed Elliot to three years and it looks like Dugowie's staying anyway, so... Dugowie was a jet on the weekend. Yeah, he was. 24 touches were much better than Oliver's 42 junk touches. So just to put that into perspective, Oliver, Rick's best mate, had 42 touches, epic numbers, at 69% disposal efficiency, not very good. 66% of his touches were handballs. That's it. So 66% of his 69 effective disposals were handballs. Any idiot can handball the ball. He is shit. And also, the last shout-out is to all those idiots who said 10 wins was incredible. 11 is not any different to 10. So stuff you all to. Collingwood is well and truly in the hunt and they're the second best team in it. And that is all I'm saying for that. Thank you, Melbourne, for losing losers. It was a massive week. uh, Sorry, massive win for the Pies on the weekend. I don't think, like you said, anyone can't say now it's just like or quote, it's just a good run. It's 11 in a row now. You've beaten Melbourne twice. I don't know what they're saying. I don't know what they're arguing anymore. You've got to give props to Collingwood. They deserve to be in the top four now or second in the ladder, but... I agree. I think yeah. there's a big final series ahead of them. Who knows if we this run is just luck and timing. Whatever the case, you've got to respect the run that we're on. And next year we might lose eleven in a row. Like who knows? That that game on that game with Collingwood and Melbourne, it was such a good game to watch. It was like finals had come early. I don't know about you guys, but I've it was great watching that game. Well, I would have thought. Well, I, mean, I was probably, pretty stressed, which made me feel like it was finals because I was so stressed. I was about to say, it's probably more stressful because I was not either a fan of, I'm not following either of the clubs, but you being a Collingwood supporter would have been quite stressful. I'm dead set invested in the season now. Before the season, I expected like very low expectations, but I am all in. I'm talking about heading over to the grand final if we get in, like all the, all the cards are on the table at the moment. Yeah, I agree. I was one of the people. I was discounting Collingwood um, for their start. They hadn't beat many legitimate teams, but coming out and knocking off Melbourne, who I probably think are probably one of the two best teams in the league this year, I reckon they're primed, they're ready to go. Just on what Craig said, same thing. Ed Langdon, you talk shit, you're going to get hit. That happened, but huge props. Absolutely love that you come out, you talk crap about the other team. That's what we need more in the AFL. Not, I played my role, we lost because of blah. He's come out. He's set a good precedent. Collingwood responded. It looks good. Let's go. More trash talk for the rest of the year. I'm about it. Mm, I agree. We will yeah. move on now. That was last week and Ed Langdon's good and life goes on. All right. Before we move on to the next segment, we've just got a, I've just got a shout out. So we've been, this is episode nine now. We've, we've nine. got one listener. Well, I'm assuming it's one listener, but there is a listener in Belgium and it has, Belgium has eight downloads uh, for this podcast so 
can't be a coincidence that so we've got eight episodes out eight downloads there's got to be one listener in belgium so if you're listening please reach out to us on either facebook and instagram and let us know who you are and if you do actually exist we're honored that you're out there listening really good as pete said come out we want to know who you are all right, Craig, it's time for the Tassie Timbers. Who we got for us this week? I'm coming in flat today, lads. I don't have the intro to get psyched, but we're going to finish off the team. From we're finishing Saint- the team? We're finishing the team today. Next wow, week, we next will week. have um, the full list of positions and how the team looks on paper. Love it. We'll Let's go. We'll post that online. What do we got? Okay, four teams left. St. Kilda, we are taking Callum Wilkie all the way to Tasmania. South Australian boy comes out of contract in 2024, has turned into a real solid defender. Tasmania will be happy to have him in the back line there. Next, we move to Sydney. Braden Campbell, who was supposed to be the better one of Goulden and him. Turns out Goulden has definitely taken off and Campbell has a bit flatlined, but he is an A-grader potential he will be awesome in Tasmania. Next from West Coast, we're grabbing a key forward, Oscar Allen. Now, this is where our backup Ruckman to Nankervis comes in. Oscar Allen's out of contract in 2025. He can take marks. He can kick goals. If you manage to pry him out of West Coast, I think that he's a real strong asset for Tasmania. And then next to Oscar Allen is someone who has been in the news for all the right reasons, and that is Jamara Hagen. Number one pick, Western Bulldogs, key forward, out of contract in 2024. So if they manage to pinch him, a forward line with Oscar Allen and Hugo Hagen, and it's starting to look really potent. Um, so that'll round out our team from there. And next week on our Tasmanian, just to conclude our Tasmanian Timbers segment, we will have the full makeup of the team with positions, uh, captain, vice-captain. We might even snag a coach for him. So I'll see what I can do for next week um we got the jersey we got the logo guernsey 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 oh you got me saying that i was saying guernsey yeah. one week jersey the next guernsey. yes yeah that's guernsey. the one guernsey. that's what i've been saying anyway mm. all right tasmanian timbers that's it lock them up we'll finish them up next week just a quick question so with your tasmanian timbers team where do you honestly think they would implement like into the fold like do you think they'll play finals this first year Oh, I think they'd have the players and the cattle to play finals, but all I've named is 19 players. So unfortunately, that's not enough to make up a whole squad. I don't know how depth would be if they're going to be a lot of kids, but the starting 18, 19 on paper is going to be pretty solid. So there's potential that they're not going to be in the bottom rung of teams, but they'd probably feel that mid-table, I would think, um, as they transition into the league. Are they going to get the same concession salary cap-wise as like Gold Coast and GWS? Oh, well, if I have my way and they get one player uncontracted from every team, then um, I don't think they'll need them because they're yeah. going to start off with a way better team. But, yeah, exactly. Um, I mean, this is a dream scenario. This is what I'd like to happen. But I think they'll get concessions and it would be a hard slog if you had to do it normally now. Um, but there's always a chance you can sign a few names. You know, you'd want to do your list build like GWS, that's for sure. Yeah, it's also better that we've come out and named a team that's competitive now not like a Gold Coast bottom feeder for a few years. So, all good. Good to wrap it up. I'm excited to see the team on paper next week. Done. This was huge in the media this week. We mentioned it briefly last week, said we'd get some more information. Now, it's been slammed in the media, obviously, being a massive story. The Crows camp, we're not going to go on about it too much just because it's been covered so much in the media, but what do we think on that, boys? Um, I think this story, unfortunately, is still unfolding. There's a lot of apologies coming out. I think the important thing this week was that Eddie Betts was not alone in in what he was saying. Josh Jenkins and Bryce Gibbs have come out and backed up what he's saying. I think the real issue is going to be if they seek like legal, if they go legal litigation yeah. for it, because everyone's probably going to be gagged until they go to court and have their say. So from now, I'd be very surprised if we hear much more. Mm-hmm. Um, if they're going to go in with a case legally, then I think um, everyone will probably just be gagged until then and then it'll all come out. But the most important thing is that um, doctor's welfare report that Jenkins said, that's what I really want to get my hands on. Um, if that comes out with all the players' feedback and everything that he observed, um, I think that'll just blow it right open. Yeah, I don't think something like that will come out 
prior to, like you said, if there's any legal mm. action, not, that won't get leaked until pro- uh, after the kind of finalisation of it. Yeah, the- Eddie Betts even touched on that they all have already signed NDAs, so I dare say any form of documentation that yeah. the club has its hands on, that's not coming out. That's sealed up. Yeah, yeah big- well, it will be until the legal... The biggest thing for me for this is not what actually happened on the camp. It's the the trust that the club's broken and that they specifically targeted certain players with personal trauma and they've used those personal trauma issues that they disclosed in confidence against them, which I think is the biggest issue of the trust. But you touched on it before, Craig, that the Jenkins come out during the week and said kind of similar to things to Eddie Betts, but Rory Sloan and Tex also both come out this week basically saying that their experiences were fine and that is also okay. They did acknowledge that some players did experience um, or some players' experience wasn't very good, Um, but what do we think on those comments? Just with Tex Walker, I kind of feel he's at a position right now where he wants a contract at the Crows. Potentially, he is trying to save face for the club to an extent to probably secure his services there for a couple more years. That's what I reckon. Um, Rory Sloan's the captain. Regardless of the situation, he needs to come out and defend the club because it's not going to look very good if the captain of the club comes out and trashes the club. You'll never get any talent wanting to come to your club. Like Isaac Rankin's on the fringe right now. If Rory Sloan come out and talk badly about the club, what impact is that going to have on his decision to actually come down here? That's a very good question. And I think that it really depends on where the club is at now. Inside the four walls, is it something that is really solid and unified in there? Is everyone on the same page? Or has this started to draw a line again between those that were there for the camp and those that are new? That's the big question, I think, is what's that like in the inside the four walls at the Crows? I mean, we'll try and figure that out and we'll try and talk to people and see what we can learn. But I I can't say what it's like inside the four, four walls, but all we can go is on what we hear. Now, I don't know if you guys saw this quote today, uh, something that Graham Corn said, but I'm going to read it out word for word and you guys can tell me what you think. Quote, Eddie was upset by an insensitive comment, but compared to other camps where players were in serious danger, this camp sounds so benign. Port Adelaide players... We'll talk about the dangers of their trek up snow-tip Mount Cook in New Zealand, where a false step could set, uh, sorry, could see them slide into oblivion uh, or getting thrown from rafts into surging rapids, end quote. Yeah, that's just a complete disrespect for mental health. Um, 2022, we take mental health seriously now. I would personally rather walk up a hill and know that as long as I don't put my foot out of place, I'm not going to be hurt rather than share personal details and have your teammates hold you down while these people you don't even know are like airing your dirty laundry that you told them in confidence. That's like a mental anguish, which was unavoidable. You're comparing that to a physical trial that you're in control of not putting yourself in danger. Don't put your foot in a stupid spot where you're going to fall. Yeah, I 100% agree. He's talking about physical challenges as opposed to personal previous trauma uh, i think it's apples and oranges you can't even compare them and anyone who tries to compare that um is is uneducated and doesn't really understand what's going on so nah i'm not going to give that the airtime at all that's crap we're going to talk about fogarty v marshall well not really v just oh kind of v those two both of them probably taking a lot longer to develop and come into the players that we thought they were going to be a long time ago. More so, in my opinion, for Marshall this year, but they both really stepped up to the next level. But whereabouts do they currently sit in relation to the top fours in the league right now? Now, I got some hard and fast stats here that I will just punch out for some comparison between what I think are about the top five forwards in the game and, and what Marshall and Fogarty. So I'll quickly bang them out. Um, Jeremy Cameron had 56 goals for the year and he averaged about 16 disposals and he averaged almost one goal assist a game. Tom Lynch, another big key forward, averaged almost three goals a game and about three contested marks, so a bit of a different player. Tom Hawkins, again, was about 2.7 goals, um, but he took four marks inside 50, so he was more of a closer to home and a goal a game, a goal assist a game. Charlie Kerno, who's leading the uh, Coleman rankings, averaged 3.05 goals a game and three inside 50, so he played up the ground a bit more. And then number five, my personal favourite, Aaron Norton, having his career best year in terms of goals, almost two and a half a game. Um, And what he does that the other key forwards don't is he averages 2.16 tackles a game, so even though he's a key forward, he still works hard. And he averaged, obviously, many contested marks. 
So putting those quick stats into Marshall, he averaged uh, 10.3 disposals a game. That ranks somewhere around Charlie Kerno, Aaron Norton. Not quite the Jeremy Cameron level, but he doesn't work up the ground as much. Averaged two goals a game this year, which is definitely commendable. And he has Aaron Norton tackle numbers. He's averaging 2.26 tackles a game. So as a key forward, he works his ass off. But his goal assists are about 0.4. So he could work on getting the ball a bit more and sharing it around. And then Fogarty, almost identical. 10 disposals average. 1.73 goals. 1.4 contested marks. So he does get his hands on the ball a bit. Not to the level of the top guys. And half a goal assist a game. So um, in comparison... They're solid numbers. Um, they're probably a rung below those top tier key forwards. But you guys uh, go for those players. So what do you think? So in our family group chat of all of us that sit together at the Port Power Games, Todd Marshall has been a whipping boy for us. He's the player that we all give like a lot of give a lot to in the family chat. But this year he's really turned it. He's really turned his career around. He's actually come out. He's probably been one of our best performing forwards. Like Craig said, he's obviously not at that elite level yet, but this was his first breakout year. Mm. He also kicked 39 goals this year and only 13 points. Yeah, he doesn't have many goal assists, but it's because he trusts his kicking. Like, he's above average in kicking percent. He's accurate to 62.9%. So, like, he's kicking more than he's missing. And he has shots from within 45, 50 metres. So, genuinely, he's not looking for that dish out because he just trusts his ability now. And, um, yeah, like, he's a good leading forward. He fills a role. When If Charlie Dixon leaves at the end of the year or when Charlie Dixon goes, obviously he's going to cop a lot more heat, but he's not the same type of player. He doesn't stand there and try to clunk him. He's pretty mobile when he gets around the ground and he takes a few marks and he's filling a role for us. Yeah, I think his best asset is his manoeuvrability. He's not the yeah. contested marking forward. Um, you're going to have to find another one of them when Charlie leaves, but if he's on the lead and, and he's got his hands out in front, um, you back in and kick the goal. Yeah, he's also that awkward in the middle zone where he's he's still skinny, so he's still mobile enough that a big key defender struggles to follow him. But if you're not tall as him, you're going to struggle to outmark him, and he is so mobile as well. So he's kind of unique in the aspect of the type of defender that has a good matchup against him. Yeah, I think you need someone with pace. You put yeah. on his head, I wouldn't back him to take the mark, but um, on the lead, you need someone quick behind him. Marshall also at the Allied Oval Games, he copped a lot of stick from the fans. Yeah. Uh, he, I mean, he did get given a lot of chances. Yeah, that's probably one of better Ken Hinckley's better decisions to stick faith in stick him when we all him, thought yeah. he was shit. And I honestly thought before the showdown, the first one this year, he was shit. And he came out and kicked five goals somehow and has looked reborn. The one thing that Ken Hinckley's probably going to get remembered for for Port Adelaide now is the fact that he did let his little love child um, Todd Marshall <laughs> stay in the team and he developed into a player who's got value now. But well, I honestly do think if Ken Hinckley leaves, I think there's a good chance that Todd Marshall's probably going to follow him. Are you going to follow him? Oh, that would be huge. All right, Rick, talk to us about... Not Rick. Peter, talk to us about Darcy Fogarty on the Crow side. What do we like as a fan? Oh, he's definitely taken a lot more contested marks this year and some good marks in the last couple of weeks especially, taking a couple of high flies. But my biggest issue with Fogarty when he first come was he is a kind of a brute force kind of fella. Definitely you can see he's a country footballer, but he always went the body over the ball when he first started and it really irked me because there was a few tackles that he could have got and could have got the ball off the opponent if he just actually committed to the player. He's actually started to do that. He's getting into space. He's coming on leads. He's getting a lot of marks. He can kick pretty straight like Marshall um, when he's when he's having a good day. I like him. He's definitely picked up this season. I think he's a good get if he can continue this form. I think I remember us talking and watching Darcy Fogarty and when you sit higher up in the grandstand, you get a better feel for, for what's going on in the Oval. And the thing with Fogarty at the start of the year that I remember us talking about was that he was always behind. So he was not a leading player. He'd just point, put it on my head and stand behind and the defender would just stand in front and mark it because he's not the tallest guy in the field and, and he just didn't work at all. He was just not working his ass off at all. But clearly he's something's clicked and he's decided to work harder and lead instead of just pointing to space and put it on my head and, and it's turned around. Very much like Todd Marshall, to be honest. Same Similar type of player, not working hard enough, just pointing, put it on my head, 
and now they're getting on their bike and getting moving, um, the results are paying as far as I'm concerned. I'm not sure if they both kind of had a, I don't know, kick up the ass or something from the coaches or whatever, but they've both decided to pull the finger out. And yeah, like you said, their work rate, both of them has just gone through the roof compared to the couple of last seasons. Maybe they just sat together at the Rami and had a beer or something. And we're <laughs> like, I wonder if we're going to be good or shit players. And they're like, well, let's be good. And, and then suddenly here we are. Oh, you'd be happy with them as a Crows and Port fan. Well, they both definitely took their time to bloody immature. So it's about time. Our seven AFL trade this week has been all over the news anyway. But Crows receive Rankin and a third rounder. And Gold Coast receive pick three and a future second rounder. Do we think this is on par or not? So just on this, I put this poll out onto Instagram. So shout out to the people that did uh, respond in. Um, so with our voting, we got it was a 60% beneficiary for the Crows. I personally think that the Crows do win this trade. But the other thing that we have to take into account is if they do get this trade, obviously the money of the contract is the big thing that's pulling Isaac Rankin to that club. So if it does cost the Crows the 900k a year, I think that Gold Coast win this trade. I am heavily thinking Gold Coast win this trade. Isaac Rankin, this season, honestly, he didn't really click into gear until about round 10 before he decided he was an AFL player. I don't think he's put enough good games together to suddenly be worth 800 grand a year. You're taking a punt on him. If I'm the Gold Coast, I'm happy to let him go for pick three. And I would be more than happy to replace him with a sheasel coming out of the draft that kicked, I don't know, like six, seven goals and had 40 touches in a game. I think this kid clearly knows how to work harder than Rankin. And at 22 years of age, I'll take pick three any day of the week for him. See you later. Wasted talent. And I don't know if he can keep it up, to be honest. Yeah. Like you said, he's been playing for this contract. He knows that like his time's running out and... It was either going to be Gold Coast or somewhere else. He already had big money from Essendon. He's come out, performed. He's been offered big money back in Adelaide. But, um, but yeah, like I said, I don't think the trade itself is that bad. Mm, but when yeah, you agreed. take into account that you're going to have to pay him 900k a year to be here, then I definitely agree with Craig and Gold Coast. Ship him out. He's not worth that. What do you reckon, Pete? You're the crow supporter here. Yeah, do you want him? And how much do you want him for? Well, I... I think I think he'd be good at the Crows, but 900k is that's a lot of money for for Rankin. Like you said, he's only kind of hit form since he's got about ten good games under his belt. That's yeah, about so it. I mean, I'll have him at the Crows, but I really hope we don't pay the 900. That's just that's way too overs. Hopefully, it's a front ended contract, and you pay him that for the first two years, and he yeah. drops down to 500 at the end, and you can he's, live with he's that. Not, he's not worth 900. Oh, God, if he's worth 900, shit, that's what the Goey money is going to get from Collingwood now. Goey's on 800, yeah. and you want to pay Rankin 900. Yeah, exactly, that's ridiculous. Yeah. That's it's, fucked. It's crazy. That's, can, you imagine, oh. can you imagine how mad Josh Dunkley is now saying he wants to go to Port? Crows would have offered him 1.5 million. Oh, definitely. Oh, if Rankin's way. worth. Yeah. Nine hundred, then he is worth one and a half million. Dunkley, that's yeah, it's ludicrous to me. I think Gold Coast win this every day of the week from financial and trade standpoint. Rick has been heavy on the socials this week, and he's got a lot of response from some listeners. So I think he's got some shout outs and some listener questions. Yeah, so we'll just open up with um, the fan questions and I'll give a shout out to who asked the question. And then from the second poll we did, we'll give a random five shout outs. All right. So the first question comes from Bunnings Snag 711. Love the name. I work out Bunnings. Got a Bunnings trade jumper on right now. Worked out perfectly. Um, so the question is, who is going to be the eighth team this year? So I'll just give a little bit of a rundown. So at the moment, Colton are in seventh. They have to play Melbourne and Collingwood. So probably not going to win either of those games. Um, they're also one game clear of the next two. So the next is Richmond, who are 11-8. Their final two games are Hawthorne and Essendon. You would assume that Richmond could potentially win both of those games. Then on the same amount of wins, but missing a draw. So two points behind. Um, you have St. Kilda, who play Brisbane Lions and Sydney Swans. I personally don't think they're going to win either of those games. No, they're, they're not going to make the eight. And then lastly is the Western Bulldogs, who would have to beat GWS and Hawthorne 
still get a bigger percentage than Carlton and hope that Carlton, Richmond and St. Kilda lose both games. So who do you reckon is going to make it? I think I had a look at this today, actually. I think Richmond are in. They have an easy enough draw to get over the line. One more win. We'll seal the deal for them thanks to that draw they had. Especially with Hawthorne up next. Yeah, and I think Carlton... You are going to drop out of the eight, and I think Bulldogs are taking that eighth spot. So Richmond, seventh, Carlton, uh, not Carlton, Bulldogs, eighth for me, and Carlton and St. Kilda miss out. Um, Yeah, I'm pretty confident that's how it's going to go. I'd be surprised if it went another way. You read my mind. That's exactly what I was going to say. Yeah, I agree. The big thing for me as well is I talked about it last week on the podcast, Western Bulldogs are not a club that you want to come up against in finals especially Richmond as well. They're two dangerous teams to just sneak into the eight. Like I know not many teams win from being outside the top four, but they're two hell good teams that have proven that they can win finals and there's a chance that either of them could actually potentially win the flag this year. Yeah, if they have a healthy list coming into it, I think there's certainly a chance to cause an upset or two. All right, what's the next question, Rick? All right, I'm a big fan of this question. So Spot SA app. Asked us, should the AFL allow captains to challenge umpires and calls? So it'd be similar to the tennis where you can challenge a decision. So I'll just bring up an example so we've got some context. So a couple of weeks ago when Port versed Geelong, Tom Hawkins clearly pushed his defender in the back and was awarded the, like, obviously was awarded the mark. If the captain had an opportunity to contest that, it would have easily been overturned. It was clear as day that he pushed him in the back. And then that's obviously a goal that doesn't happen. It breaks up the play. It can break momentum and give the opp- the other team an opportunity to bounce back. So do you reckon the captain should be allowed to challenge a decision once the ball has come to a stop? Like, so for a marking contest, for a goal that hasn't been challenged, etc. I'm not a massive fan of this in the game. Um, I know they trialed it in rugby league with some success. Um, I don't really think that there is a need to have a captain's challenge. The rules of our game are, are very grey and not black and white anyway. Adding more grey to it and allowing them to challenge is just going to get too technical. I think that we do not need it in our game. I think, nah, you just play ball. Some of the games we've had this last weekend, last couple of weeks have been amazing and I wouldn't really care about one decision during the game to uh, go into the technical rule book on that one. I agree. I like the idea of it, but I just think I'm all for not changing much at the moment. We've changed too many rules. I think if we start bringing in challenging, then it's just going to break the game up. Like right now, even when we have score, some of the score reviews, you can hear the atmosphere in the crowd. It drops and there's people yelling out, hurry up, get on with it. I think it would just slow the game down too much if we had some challenges by the captains. Yeah, I think it goes both ways. I do agree that we probably shouldn't be messing with that many rules anymore. Um, But I also think the game stopped. It could also be used tactically to try to break momentum if a team's surging try to put that player off right before they kick a goal, just make a challenge that's not even there. It would probably slow our game down even more, which I'm not for, but either way, it is what it is. All right, next question. All right, so this one is from Josh Mitzius. So he said, are there any players currently playing for their clubs that you think will go down as a club legend? So maybe Ooh. if we just rattle a couple off, couple off each. Adelaide, um, club legends, well, Taylor Walker's the leading goalkeeper yeah. for the club in history, so I think he gets a, a legend status probably from the club. Oh, I think everyone else would be pretty hard-pressed. Sloan was a captain. Yeah. I think he becomes a probably just Texan Crows Hall of Famer where he becomes a legend for the Crows, and yeah, quite possibly. Fair enough. Um, right. Carlton, I'd say Patrick Cripps. He's like a one-time player. He's probably not going to go to another club. He's obviously captain of that club, but so he's probably a certainty, but who else do you reckon? Sam Doherty is the one that sticks out for me, especially with his career and his health battles and everything that he's overcome and everything he's given. Um, I'd say he's a surefire legend of Carlton. Too early to tell where Sam Walsh projects. Well, Patrick- he's got, he, Sam Walsh is going to have eight years at the club by the time his next contract ends. So it's pretty safe to assume that minus a horrendous injury, you'd think he'd be on the list. Yeah, but what do you define as legend? Like, what have they done for the club? Has he propelled the club? Yeah, what's a legend? I mean, that's a real question. What do you define legend as? But, I mean, he projects as one, definitely. All right, Collingwood. Surely Pendle. Oh, Pendlebury is yeah. probably the most surefire legend, yeah. other than maybe a David Mundy at their club, you could say. He's won a premiership. He's got a history of accolades. As far as other legends go, 
Well, I don't know if anyone out there is standing out as a dead set legend at this point in time. Um, Jeremy Howe might get a shout out just for all the contenders for Mark of the Year and stuff he's had. Like, it's a unique record, but whether it makes you a legend or not would be the question. Yeah, well, I don't think there has been... Yeah, there's players that have been good on the list, but I think right now Pendlebury's the only one that's been a, a one-club player and, and played 350 games and holds a ridiculous amount of records. So I think he's probably the only one I put my hand up for at the moment. He's a more interesting one. Do you think Essendon has anyone? Whoa. Shit. Um, it's interesting. If not, who do you think's the closest? Or who do you think has the future bright enough to nail it? Like, currently their best play would be Zach Merritt and Darcy Parrish. Like, they don't look like they're going anywhere, but... Once again, like they haven't achieved anything great for the club. They haven't even won a finals game for the club. So legendary status, probably not. I can't yeah. think of anyone currently playing. Dyson Heppel's got to be a chance, but he'd be the only one. But that'd be borderline. Well, he's yeah. potentially well, he's been offered a massive contract this week, Heppel. Yeah, well, that's correct to go somewhere else. So nah, no one at Essendon moving on. Frio got an obvious one. Nat Fife. Straight into the Hall of Fame. Nat Fife, David Mundy. Yeah. They will be Guaranteed. absolute surefire legends of Fremantle. Guaranteed straight in. Yeah, and probably even legends of the AFL, to be honest. Yeah, um, especially Fife. Well, yeah. both of them, yeah. Yeah, I think their careers stand on their own. Yeah. No one else really at this point in time for them. Here's an interesting one. Do you think Patrick Dangerfield has done enough for Geelong to be considered a Geelong great, considering some of the elite players they've had throughout history? How many years has he played at Geelong now? That's that's a question. I think if they win a premiership and he plays in that premiership team, I think he'll go down as a legend at, at Geelong. Maybe not the Crows, but Geelong probably, yeah, he'll go down as a legend status, I would what, think. How long has he been at Geelong? I don't know. Joel Selwood is an obvious one. Hawkins is another obvious one. Jeremy Cameron's career ends, probably another one. 26, 2016, he's been there since. So that's six years. Six years. I think that's given enough. If he yeah. wins a flag, I think. That tips him into a Geelong legend status. He also won the Brownlow in 2016. Yeah, so correct. First yeah. year, first year there for so Geelong. I think that warrants him being in there. Oh, they have a lot of legends. So yeah, I know. They'll... He could be here all day. Just the other one. Once again, you've brought up Jeremy Cameron. I don't think he has done enough for that club to be a legend. He's probably more likely to be a club legend when we talk about GWS. Like He's going to be their leading goal kicker for a significant amount of time. He's arguably been one of the being their best players since they actually come into the AFL. I think Jeremy Cameron's still got another four years at Geelong, so by then he probably would have played six, seven years, so I think he would have done enough for a legend status at Geelong. All right, Gold Coast? Nope. Next. Uh, next, move on. All right, GWS? Um, Callum Ward will be a legend, Yeah. Um, and probably Phil Davis will be a legend because they were the initial players taken and... They captain the club. After that, it gets pretty thin, to be honest. I mean, you could argue for Toby Green, but... I'd say Toby Green. There's a chance he'll end up being one of their longer-serving players as well. Like, he's not going to change clubs, and he's done a lot for that club. He's been a player in the media a lot, so he's brought attention to the team as well. Well, I guess your legend's got to start somewhere, so, yeah, why not start with Toby Green? (laughs) All right, what club's next? All right, so we've got Melbourne up next. Oh, Max Gorn's a legend. Do you reckon Petrarca and Oliver uh, make the list? Yeah, I mean, they've yeah, signed I another, think, what, six-year deals yeah, each or seven? I think they've got to make the list just because of how they've been going. Yeah, I think at a premiership and... Yeah. and they've got to make the list. 15-year careers, yep. Jack Viney might get one. That's it, but That's probably about it for now. What a solid midfield core if we're talking they're all going to be all-time greats of their club. <laughs> yeah, well, handball happy, yep. Who's next? I North think Melbourne. we should just skip it. <laughs> yeah, North Melbourne, pass. Oh, I know. Zeeble will get... Oh, Cunnington will probably yeah, become Cunnington. a legend. Considering Zeeble will probably get up there. They're probably the only two I'll put my hand up for. Um, Port Adelaide, I'll open up. Ollie Wines is going to go down as a Port Adelaide great. Oh, definitely Boak. No, I would have thought Boak ahead of Ollie Boak Wines every day Wines, of the week. Surely. Yeah. Nah, Ollie Wines, true and oh, true. No way. That is... Won a Brownlow medal for our club. So what? So what? what you just... Boak is 10 times the player Ollie Wines has been for Port Adelaide. That's but crap. Travis Boak's played... At the club for years, yeah, way know. way more than Ollie and no. Nah, well, I'm, I'm not sorry. saying Travis Boak's not going to make it. I'm yeah, just saying Ollie Wines is on the list too. I'm had saying him, if you I had, had him to, over, yeah, over Wines. No, you way. started with Wines. I would have started with Boak and then the rest. Um, I think that's quite comfortably. Boak stands head and shoulders above anyone on that list currently at Port Adelaide. Oh, Robbie Gray as well. Then Wines. He's probably about third or fourth in line. No, nah, you're dreaming. No, you're yeah. dreaming. He's there's no way. Brownlow is fucking, they're average. Any, any spud can win one. 
Prudis, Tom Mitchell. What right. about your boy? Scott Pendlebury never won a Brownlow. Yeah. yeah but so what? Probably. I'd have him, yeah, I'd have him a legend easily above Ollie Wines too. Yeah. Way ahead of Ollie Wines. All right. Richmond. Oh, yeah. They'll have many. Dusty. Starting with Dusty and you <laughs> name the rest. Jack yeah. Rewalt is probably right up there it's, too. It's another, it's another Geelong. There's too many to yeah. name. Yeah. Tom Lynch. Yeah. Oh, Tom Lynch. Jesus. Yeah. I don't know. He hasn't been there long enough. Marlon Pickett played him. one game in the grand final and won yeah. it. So yeah, I'd throw Marlon Pickett on yeah. there. Yeah. Like, Can you imagine uh, if he retired one game, one well, grand I, final? I would have, just for the fact that you could say I played one game, won a flag. Well, Richmond came out and named everyone in their first premiership team as like a club legend or whatever, which usually you get 200 games before you become a club, uh, club life member. Everyone who played a game in their first premiership became a life member. Which is ridiculous because some of these players played about twenty games and retired or were shit and didn't get back in the team. <laughs> Stupid club, like who knows with them. Here's one where there's probably not many that have done enough right now, but there's a few people building. What do you mean, Sydney Swans? Who's what do you mean? right now? Fucking Buddy than, Franklin buddy, is like, literally. He just kicked a thousand goals I'm, this year. I know, but I'm talking about the youth. Like they've got a good young team. Like Buddy's obvious. Josh you- Kennedy's obvious, but. Then We're talking about right there. now, aren't we? We're not talking about in the future. We're talking yeah. about right now. Who's going to be a club legend? So made a couple of questionable calls there. Oh, buddy. I don't even know where you're leading. I knew Sydney was next, and I'm like, what do you mean? I could name two off the back of my hand straight away, Kennedy and, and Franklin. Yeah, but that's yeah. what I'm saying. That's all they've got. The rest uh, of their team is really young, but are showing promising signs of potentially being legend. I think Dane Rampey would also be in the conversation. He is held in very high esteem at Sydney. Um, he's played 200-plus games as a backman. Yeah, that's probably where it ends, to be honest, at the moment. Yeah, all right. That wraps it up. Um, so we've got one more question before we go to the poll result. Poll results. So the last question from Craig Morano. How sexy is the host, Craig? What do you think, Pete? Uh, that was an anonymous put in, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> I'm pretty sure whoever put that question in said from anonymous. So I don't know why you're quoting me on that. But, Pete, you can answer that one if you like. Pretty damn sexy. Excellent answer. Yeah, I'll have to agree. And he's yep. single. Ladies, hit him up on his own Instagram, not on the Footy Feast Instagram, but go out there. And or either. Get it. We'll get back to you. <laughs> I don't even have anything to say to that. That's yeah. That's the end of that. All right. So the last one. So we put out a poll. Hashtag Hinkley out. So we got 35 votes. Only four people said no. So we just want to give a shout out to Scott Wilson, Matt Crock, Stephen J Sport, David Grimmett, and Sam Hughes for voting. I already said it last week. I think Ken Hinkley's on his last legs. They've already come out and said that they're going to look at assessing and reviewing. I think he's gone. What do you reckon? Just speaking of Hinkley, did you see he come out and made a kind of counter statement to Koshy? I did see that. I and think he reckons he... that he's oh, he's saying that he's at least fast. the end of the year to reassess, but he has no plans on going anywhere, and he thinks he'll be in coaching in 2023. Well, guess what? It's Port not Adelaide. his. It's not his decision. Exactly. So who cares what he thinks? At the end of the day, people above him make the decision, and if there's a coach out there that's going to do better than what he's done, then yep, sign him up. It's been he- such a. A windy bandwagon this year, Hinkley, though. <sighs> it's been get him out, keep him in, get him out, keep him in. Now it's finally, everyone's just, I think the cart's tipped. Everyone's Hinkley out. Okay, let me think. There's a question for you. Who who do you reckon had a better year as a coach, Hinkley or Matthew Nix from Crows? Who's had a better year? Matthew Nix. Port had way higher expectations on us this year, and Ken Hinkley hasn't delivered that. I think just- uh, expectation-wise, Port have blundered because... No one expected him to go 0-5. All right. Well, let me tell you this. There are two games left in the season. The Crows are currently on seven wins and Porter on eight. This week, Essendon versus Port in Melbourne. Essendon could win this. Let's say they do. Crows versus North in Adelaide. Let's say the Crows win that. Both teams go into the showdown next week at 8-8. Eight and eight. Crows could win that and somehow end the year ahead of Port after Port had premiership aspirations this year. If Ken Hinckley continues his job after Matthew Nix has been borderline keeping his job all year and they finish ahead of Port, the system's just the system's cooked. There's there's no way Hinckley can keep his job if the Crows finish ahead of them on the ladder. But when oh, you well, put it that way, 100%. <laughs> yeah. I'm just looking at the analysis and I was like, Crows could win more games than Port somehow, which is madness because Crows were like bottom two, maybe aiming for at the start of the year and Port were like top two and... 
Yeah, that's rubbish. It'll make a nice showdown to end the year, though. Um, just on that, though, the thing is, Ken Hinckley probably will be coaching next year. Port Adelaide still have him. He's just not going to be our head coach. He can be like a midfield coach. He's going to serve his time out at our club. He's still paying him. Unless <laughs> Which, he, unless here's he a abandoned- question, though. Would you stay as Hinckley if they said you need to step aside, but you can be a midfield coach? Well, if I was him, I'd just say, oh, fuck you, yeah, I'll just go somewhere else. Yeah, but are you going to get 800k a year straight away, if not more? What's Ken Hinckley on? He'd be on 800k probably. I think he would if he got a new tenure at a club. I think that's the clause in his contract is that he doesn't get paid out if he gets a new job. So if he walks straight into a new job next year mm. at, say, a GWS, then, yeah, you wouldn't have to pay him out a dime. So I think best case for Port is Alistair Clark's and names North Melbourne and Hinkley jumps ship to GWS and they don't pay him a dime. I think, you know, if that's what could happen, that would be a win-win for everyone, I think. If Ken Hinkley hasn't applied for the North Melbourne and GWS job now, he's an idiot because, like, you never know what coaching jobs are going to be left at the end of the year. He could potentially try to secure one of them now, part ways with Port, try to save face both ways, and then disagreeing to you, Alistair Clarkson, to Port. Yeah, I think that everything's on the table, but I think him going is one of the probably more sure things that will happen at the end of the year. I think it's pretty much a done deal. All right, any more listener questions? No, that's all for this week, boys. All right, time for the weekly quiz, fellas. No sounds this week. Back to the original questions. Okay. All right, we're going to kick it straight off. Nice and easy. First question, who kicked eight goals to on the weekend? Rick. Josh Kennedy. Correct. Question two, in light of Kelly Underwood, who was she referring to when she said the orange team? GWS. (laughs) Correct. Two zip. Question three, which Ruckman currently has the most hitouts for the season? It is going to be Jared Witts. Correct. He has 764. That's over 100 more than the next highest, which is Riley O'Brien. Yeah, well, once the hard questions come, Craig will get them right. I would... I wouldn't have guessed either of those names. <laughs> the, the reception, the, the first grade of questions Rick can get right. <laughs> all right. Who, question four. This is a Rick question written all over it. Uh, who got the highest AFL fantasy score Rick. this week? Oh, fuck, who was it this week? I don't know. I haven't paid much attention to it. Better, to be better have a quick guess. Three, two, one. Pass. Okay. I am going to go with uh, Andrew Brayshaw was pretty high. Incorrect. No. He only got 109. Oh, did he? I remember I remember seeing the score. It's 152, but I can't think of who got it. You smack on it. It is 152. I just can't think of the player. It wasn't a player that we're going to be thinking of. Was it like a Warner or someone from nah, Sydney? No. Hint? We talked Hint? about him before. Well, he, his name oh, was mentioned. Rick. Josh Kennedy. No. Who do we talk? We've talked about a lot of people tonight. Clayton Oliver. Petrarca. Hmm. Ruckman. Max Gorn. Max Gorn. Mm-hmm. I got it first. I don't know who does that. Oh, it doesn't matter. I'm just going to give a couple point. of dings, but I, I don't know who that is. I'm just going to say three, can have three that ones point. to Rick. Three ones to Rick. That's a stab in the dark. Question, I mean, it comes down to the last question anyway, so it doesn't matter. But question five, uh, which team won by 45 points on the weekend? It was the highest winning margin of the of the Rick. round. Geelong. Correct. That was a guess. Let's I don't even on. know who Geelong played. Neither so, do I. Stinky, stinky. <laughs> They played Stinky Stinky St. Kilda. Oh, stinky Stinky St. Kilda. <laughs> That's why. All right. But the decider question this week is a worth five or points. It's worth five points this week because well, I'm just, smacking him right it's now. Just, it's just worth the win, Rick. Yeah, I know. He's got to put a point value on First it. First time he's having a bit of a cracker quiz, he's already throwing out the shit talk. <laughs> Unbelievable. All right. Higher or lower? Uh, Craig, considering you're, you're losing, you can have the first guess. Okay. How many goals did Sydney's Tony Lockett kick in his career? 1,308. Higher. 1,311. Higher. 1,318. Higher. Really? Um, 1,360. <laughs> Rick steals the quiz with absolutely no cheating whatsoever. I <laughs> Never can't believe. Cheat. We don't even have laptops in front of us, so how could he cheat? <laughs> I'll tell you what, I reckon Rick's Rick's slowly coming back. I have to go back and do a count back and see how many is won. But I reckon it's about... I think I've got four. So if we've got... This is the ninth podcast. Craig's still got five. Ooh. No, because Jake won one. Yeah, so you yeah, got three. Four, four, one. I don't think you've got four. I have to go back. I'll do a count back. No, I won three in a row. Yeah, it'd be you four, four, actually, one, yeah. I think. All right, yeah. well, it's four, four. Just a uh, local weekly... Not local. 
just some weekly news. Grundy met with Melbourne this week. Seems like some pretty serious chatter going on there. What do you guys think about that? I think it's just due diligence. Um, if you're any club and you're not considering what Brody Grundy can do to your club, it's a bad call. Like You'd want to catch up with him, see where he's at, see how bad these injuries are, put him through some light run-throughs, like just have a little bit of a history check and stuff. But due diligence, like I said, every club should honestly be considering him. The only thing is, do you have cap space for that big contract? And are you willing to take him on for the next five or six years, whatever he's got left? But yeah, I honestly don't think he will be at Melbourne next year. Good on him for having a stab. What do you reckon, Craig? I said it weeks ago, Port Adelaide is the front runner. He will be the Ruckman at Port Adelaide next year. I think that's a done deal. Yeah, I don't think there's much more to say on that. Thank you, Port Adelaide, for taking him. We'll squeeze Taranto and a few of these other players in his place, and and the dynasty is set. Speaking of Port Adelaide and Ruckman, uh-huh. I wasn't overly impressed with Teagle's performance on the weekend. Oh, Rick, you should be the one to answer this. Now, I enjoyed watching him in his first game when he injured his collarbone, and I didn't even really see him at all on the weekend in the game. I mean, if we're talking about the weekend's game, I went and it was horrible. Sucked. It was such a shit game. Um, lucky my ticket's already paid for, so I don't have to pay for that because I would not pay for that. It well, was a stinky game. Considering the last, the last two weeks prior to the weekend's game, we've had who we have Shannon Neal and yeah, we had some people. We had Josh Worrell about. that were. Awesome, and then we. I was looking forward to watching Tico play this week because he kind of, it was exciting to watch the first one, but he just, it just wasn't there. Oh, the whole game wasn't there. I mean, if the Geelong St Kilda was irrelevant, this would be up there with the irrelevant games for the weekend. <laughs> Nan Curvis had twenty nine touches. Tico obviously sucked. I didn't get to watch the game. I was I at a first birthday party, but you missed the point. <laughs> do you Dad know? Dad do, do you know whose fault it is? Who's? It's Ken Hinckley's fault. Oh. Get rid of him. Sack him. <laughs> I agree. The game plan was back to its shit best on the weekend. A lot of passing around, a lot of turnovers. Um, it just yeah. didn't work. It, it just sucked. Right, what's next in your weekly news? Uh, Parfit signed for two more years. Uh, yeah, solid for Geelong. He's a pretty good role player. I think he's got a career there. Also heard that uh, along with the Demons, going back to the Grundy thing, along with the Demons, the Cats were also interested. He plays for the Cats. No, no going back to Grundy. Oh, okay. Yeah, no, that's a good point. I play. know Parfit plays for the Cats. <laughs> Grundy to the Cats would be elite for them. Yeah, that's, heard, that's I, huge. Yeah, there was some whispers during the week about he's also, uh, the Cats were also interested in um, chasing him. Yeah, uh, ship off your, your three tier four Ruckman, bring in one superstar Ruckman. Geelong will look way better with Parfit yeah, in their lineup. You can take Stanley's money, you can take Radicalia's money, you can take Segler's money and whoever else plays Ruck in that team. Who else? Tyson Stengel, ship off his money. All their Ruckmen they've tried in there. Um, Brody Grundy had helped them big time. Uh, we talked him, talked about him a few weeks ago, but Rochelle is out for the next few games. He's injured and potentially having to have hip surgery. So hopefully that doesn't affect his return pre-season. I think we've seen enough to Rochelle to know he's going to be a star. I won't uh, say the name, but I was talking with someone I work with and uh, they played against him on the weekend and said that he looked like an average football player up until he got injured. So if he's not dominating in the SANFL, is he really going to be this superstar player or has he just thrown a few huge games out in the AFL? No, he's definitely a superstar. I think he, I think he's going to be a star. I think he's like in the tier above Rosie and Butters if I had. No, I can't say that seriously with a straight face. <laughs> um, but he is going to be a superstar, don't worry. All right, Heppel was offered, well, has been offered apparently a monster deal from Gold Coast, which includes a four-year four year contract, two of those apparently commitment to playing and two of those in a coaching capacity. Now, I know me and you, Pete, talked about it during the week just with Jake on uh, dollars. I, I don't know, like one club loyalty is a thing, and I think he's already given enough one club loyalty that he can have a, a Luke Hodge end to his career. Um, up on the Gold Coast or Jordan Lewis. I think, you know, if you're going to get an extra million bucks to play up on the Gold Coast over four years and coach, I think that looks pretty good on paper and no one would begrudge him after giving service to his club. So if it works for his family and him, I say take it, Dyson. Yeah, 100%. Take the money. 
Essendon haven't even like paid him the respect, offer him a contract till the end of the season once they've like um, secured every other contract they wanted and he's meant to be their captain and he's been a loyal servant for them and just a bit disrespectful. I agree, Dyson Heppel. Even if Essendon offer you a deal, take the other one, go to Gold Coast. Any, any other news for the week? Yeah, so we've got one more. So SEN have come out and said, have North Melbourne been unfairly impacted by the father-son and academy draft rules? So let's just throw it out there. Potentially they could have had Nick Dacos, they would have had Jamara Yugo Hagen, and then this year they would have been adding Will Ashcroft to their list. The system has been in place for a long time. You could go back a very long way to the Tom Hawkins, um, Gary Ablets that went to Geelong. Unfair for those teams that were down the bottom of the ladder. Um, it's not unfair then and it's not unfair now. Um, the system is what it is. I think everyone has their father-son turn. Some get better players than others from their father-sons. It's it's all just luck of the draw as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, but just like you said, Tom Hawkins wasn't a pick one, two or three player. Like you're talking three years in a row, arguably the best players of the draft are already locked up father-son. Gary Ablett went like pick 40. Tom Hawkins was a late pick. You're talking about the top prime known talent is now being shipped off to a team just because of their affinity with another club. So like Jamara Eugle Hagen, they cancelled that with the the changing the academy rules, but still father-son players at pick one, two, three, they're going to clubs that don't need that automatic instant impact of an elite player. Like, can you imagine like Nick Dacre? Oh, well, well, he didn't go pick one, but Jamara Eugle Hagen at North Melbourne, like he's getting good this year. They would have three better forwards now than what they have. And potentially, um, he would have been playing more already. He could have developed quicker. And yeah, it's just when it's the prime of the prime, it's probably a little bit unfair that they aren't getting access. So really, you don't have the number. This year, North Melbourne don't have the number one pick. Will Ashcroft is the number one pick. Brisbane have the number one pick. Yeah, I mean, that's a good point. No, I'm strongly in the disagree. Um, The academy, that's bullshit. You shouldn't have access to them as a number one pick. Like, Academy is just that you happen to put them through your program because by sheer dumb luck, they lived in your zone being part of any school team or going to school. Like that's, I'm happy they've abolished that rule for um, the really good players in the academy. Let them free for all. Um, I don't care how much time you invested in them. But father-sons are father-sons. Their parents or well, their fathers played and were loyal to their club, and every father-son has the choice to nominate to be a father-son or not. So Will Ashcroft was undecided. He could well have went to the Kangaroos if he didn't decide to nominate father-son. So it's it's a personal choice from the players who just have a little bit more leverage just because they happen to be good these last couple of years. It sucks for North Melbourne, but when you pick some guy named Will Phillips over Logan McDonald, um, your recruiters suck anyway. So... As far as I'm concerned, shit recruiters as half to blame for North Melbourne's problem anyway. All right, so what about someone like Jason Horn francis who doesn't get the choice? Like, he's unhappy, he's been shipped to a club he doesn't want to play at. Why does Will Ashcroft get to benefit that his dad played AFL? Because that's how the system works, and it has always worked like that. Because your dad played for that club, so you have first dibs to him. Um, and I, I don't have any issue with that. There's been many players and Port will have access to a whole bunch of players. Their history is not as strong but they had SANFL links to players. Um, all the Burgoyne boys get um, priority to Port Adelaide. The Crows players have had the McLeods, the Edwards, just because they're not as good. Everyone has their has their day in the sun and sometimes you get a gem and sometimes you don't. Unfortunately again, North Melbourne have clearly could have recruited better and, and they just haven't. They just have made some horrible decisions. We saw a Oh, who's the guy from the Gold Coast on the weekend that just had a blinder in his first game? Order? Elijah Hollands. Elijah Hollands. They could have had him, North Melbourne. They yeah. picked someone else instead. Like, this is their own doing. As far as I'm concerned, stuff you for being shit recruiting. Logan McDonald, Elijah Hollands. There's so many players down the draft order that they've missed that if we go through the draft now and you have a look at all the players that they didn't select that are better, you could come up with a dozen players. I just think no, nah, that's that's a cop out, and North Melbourne should have recruited better. The um, I know you don't like the AFLW, but is it going to be a mother daughter rule? There already is. Don't is you it? worry about that. Absolutely, and there's a father daughter rule. So if your father played for the AFL club, oh, you as a daughter can um have priority access to that club. So I like it. 
is there a granddaughter rule? Are Port going to get Aaron Phillips' daughters or what? <laughs> I'd assume there would be. I mean, they don't play as many games in the season, so it would be it would be hard to say. But yeah, I would think yeah there there will be a rule, and I think as a player you you should have uh, early access to that. And I'm just going to quickly sneak off to the 2020 draft where North Melbourne picked third. Logan McDonald was fourth, could have had him. Denver Granger Brass was sitting there at six, could have had him. Elijah Hollands at seven, could have had him. Archie Perkins looks a better player at nine, could have had him. Um, Heath Chapman from Fremantle is tearing it up and had a rising star, could have had him. Lockie Jones was an academy player at Port Adelaide, so he couldn't have access to him. Um, Rick's... Oh, not Rick's mate, but our mates over at um, the oh the Keeper League podcast. Jake Bowie, twenty-one Premiership player. O'Driscoll, Sam Berry for Adelaide is sitting there at twenty-eight. Like, if you can't identify talent, then how is that? How is that anyone else's problem? No, nah, I I think no, nah, that's cop out. Yeah, but my point is, it hasn't been seen before where the number one, the number one, and the number four pick. Are yeah, I agree. Of the sun. It hasn't been seen before, and it's just a freak luck of the draw that they happen to be the best because they have good genes. Yeah, but football players are going to produce more football players, so you're saying you've got a link to that entire bloodline throughout all of history. Like, Nick Dacos and Josh Dacos might have kids that are going to be guns, and they'll be at that club, and yes. then they'll be at that club, and then yeah, they'll be at that club. That's, that's how the So how what? Travis Spoke will have some kids, and Gavin Wanganine and uh, Ollie Wines will have lots of... Uh, they'll shoot out some kids, and you'll be like, oh... Oh, well, they can go to Adelaide Crows because they're higher on the draft than me. You'll change your mind if this was on the other foot straight away. Yeah, probably. Yeah, you would. Uh, I don't think it's really an argument. All right, before we move on to the next segment, Craig mentioned it last week Did of I? Himmelberg being a target for Fremantle. Oh, yeah. So I just want, he had six disposals on the weekend and kicked two goals. Yep. Crap. We said it last week. Exactly. Frio, I don't know what you... Well, actually, you know what? Go after him because I want you to pay something for him. You could get but, a second round draft pick compensation, which would be way overs again. But I just don't understand why Frio want Himmelberg. I told you, they think that Harry Himmelberg plays for the <laughs> That has to be it. it just, yeah, it doesn't... Harry doesn't Himmelberg's really. kicked two goals in the last two weeks playing as a defender and his brother plays as a forward and has kicked two goals in the last two weeks. Yeah, fair I mean, point. We're talking about last week as well, but Josh Worrell... Only got 42 fantasy points and 12 disposals this week. I didn't see the game, unfortunately. Yeah. Sunday night, I don't really tune into those games. I mean, with with JK kicking eight, you can't really defend out anyway, so... Nah, they let him have him. <laughs> Alright, another big thing that's been in the media this week. Personally, I just think it needs to be put to bed, but this prison bar saga debate continues between Port Adelaide and Collingwood. During the week, Collingwood offered an alternative Guernsey, not Jersey, Guernsey, um, for prison bars that were teal instead of white. There's been a bit of backlash. Rick, as a Port fan, first, what do you think? Easy. Veto. I don't care about the prison bars jersey. Like, I get that it's the history of the SANFL team, the Port Adelaide Magpies. Port Adelaide are not the Port Adelaide Magpies. But at the same time, it also does come to a point, though, where I believe that the AFL either needs to accept that the SANFL history be, does get included into the AFL because they want to play the VFL history anyway. So the AFL started in 1990. So anything before that, that's VFL history. After that is AFL history. So if you go look at a bigger sport than ours, the NBA, they don't count your title if you didn't win it in the NBA. If you won the NFL or the BAA, it means nothing. The AFL should be the same. You accept that the SANFL history is included and you let Port Adelaide wear that jersey. Or you put the big division in the sand. You didn't. The SNFL isn't a part of the AFL history. You're Port Adelaide and you wear the first jersey that Port Adelaide ever wore. Simple. Um, this is a tough one. But not really a tough one. Honestly, I, I couldn't care less if Port wear black and white guns. They can wear it every week for all I care. It's a pretty crap looking guernsey anyway. So they can wear that woolen stitched up old battered guernsey every week. As long as they're not playing Collingwood, it doesn't bother me in the slightest. There is one comment that Rick made, which which I'm actually pretty much agreed with, is that they are the Port Adelaide Power, not the Port Adelaide Magpies. Part of them coming into the AFL was under the condition that they added a teal to their traditional, 
and became the power. So put some teal in your Guernsey and everyone wins. Um, it's not. A, I can't believe it gets this much media attention. Honestly, it's everyone can wear whatever Guernsey they want. It it just drives me insane that this is still going on and why people actually care about this so much. So on that, me and you as a Port and a Collingwood supporter, we don't actually care that much. No. But I, but I do hear you have a tie to someone who is very passionate about this. Yes, and we may try and get them on next week. This person is we'll very much an influential member in the Bring Back the Bar movement. Um, that is a bring back the prison bars. He is a dead set Port fan. He, he wants the prison bars back. He named his fantasy team after it. He named his fantasy team after it. He works very hard to get the prison bars for Port Adelaide in their showdown games, which I think is a pretty reasonable request. So um, we'll try and get this gentleman on next week as a special guest and he can uh, talk through what he's trying to do and uh, how we can help him out possibly. All right, Craig, I believe you're going to lead us off for the next segment. Jake, um, the coach of Tyrannical, has given us a spill. He is in the grand final, so he has decided that he wants to tell you some tactics and things that he'll be doing for those of you going into maybe your first grand final or your league's grand final. So he is coming in as what he says is the underdog. So he's got to take every trick in the book to beat his opponent in the grand final. Um, he lost to him in one of the earlier finals, so he's going to be going risking, uh, risky. So he's going to be starting players who have higher ceilings rather than better averages. So, for example, he's starting Ed Richards over the safety of Andy McGrath, Kyle Langford over Jai Colwell, and Ben Ainsworth over Max Holmes. So he's going for who can get me the hundreds versus who cannot. It's a risky play, but he says all or nothing, it's a grand final. Um, he's also going to play the loophole game. Hunter Clark, Jared Berry, Josh Battle. He's going to start them on the bench. Um, they're playing on Friday night. And if they happen to get decent scores, which he says is a 95 plus for him this week on the bench, then he will loophole them in to his starting team to give him the best chance to win. He also is going to vice captain Lockie Whitfield, who has had at best an up and down year. But he says he could single-handedly win him a grand final if he goes his 140-150 best. And then he has old mate Andrew Brayshaw as a safety net should that plan fail. Um, and Andrew Brayshaw, you know, you can go anywhere from 120 to 180 on any given week, but he could also go a 90. Um, the loophole cutoff for him is 125 points this week for the vice-captain. Usually it sits about 120, but he's upped it a little bit because um, he's going for it all. And he has a couple of figures in mind for some players. So Whitfield, he was hoping for maybe a 140. Tom Stewart back to his 120s. Um, the Fremantle Backman, Young and Clark, 100 plus. Um, Jai Simpkin, Brayshaw, Noah Anderson in the 120s. Lankford, 100. Ainsworth, Duncan, Cornelio in the 110 pluses. So, I mean, that's his best case scenario. The message is go for the players with the high ceilings. It is grand final week you got to risk it all if you want to win. So hopefully that helped a few of those people out there that were on the edge and not sure what to do. Good uh, good tips there because high risk, high rewards, what you need coming up against uh, Ryan and Ali, Guns and Rosie, who in his first final got a score of 2,100. So massive ceiling. I know that's, fingers crossed, hopefully a bit of an outlier score, but it was huge. And if, he can repeat that in a final. Jake's players have to go bang all at once. Yeah, all of them have to and go bang. And you've got a you've got a snag a, a one thirty plus minimum captain. Yeah, you do. That's that's massive to even be in the contention for that score. So well, that's correct. I don't know what wins our league grand final, but if I reckon if you make nineteen hundred, that'd get it done for us. Yeah, I reckon nineteen hundreds to go. Rick, what do you reckon? You're the fantasy guru of our league, self appointed, by the way. No one else calls you that. I am actually the master trader of the league, Craig. So. Master debater, did you say? That's what I thought. <laughs> no, you're the master debater. I'm the master trader. Don't cut that. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we're going to move on to the last segment to finish us off. Rick, reach out. Rick, reach out! <laughs> Who you got for us this week, Rick? I went super local this week. Boys, so yes, I did mean local, unlike your blunder before, Pete. So I have reached out to the three potential 
um, South Australian boys who are heading for the draft combine this year. So I reached out to Harry Bennett, Isaac Keeler, Matthias Philippow, and Tom Scully. And what did you say to them? Just a general, how are you doing? Would you like to come and talk about yourself on our podcast? Yeah, pretty much. I just said, hey, and then obviously their name. I did copy and paste it. Didn't write individual messages. Would love to have you on the pod. Let me know if you're interested. Thanks, Rick. Sweet. Any responses? No, I didn't. So next week I'm going to go even more local, I reckon, and I'm going to push hard to get a response. I think we need a response. We do. It's uh, 10 episodes next week and we haven't got one response. But you've been pretty heavy on the socials this week, so fingers crossed. Also, I'm not going to say anything, but I do have a big response in, but I'll talk about that at a later date. Are you saying that we have potentially our first special, special guest with somewhat celebrity fame? Yes, I am saying that potentially in the next few weeks, we have someone who actually has fame. I do believe they will have a blue tick next to their name on Instagram, so stay tuned. Big news. Wait, what's a blue tick mean? Means like verified celebrity. Oh shit! Yeah. That's huge. I'm excited for that. Oh, there you go. Big big news. We'll hopefully hopefully have a very big special guest very soon. Uh, Rick's gone bang with the Instagram page this week, so there's a lot of content on there with some stories, some polls, some voting. So get around it. <laughs>